You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning. 840 and Merry Christmas weekend to those who are here and those who are watching online. We've been looking at hope these past three Sundays. And if 2020 was a normal, non-eventful, average year, we would still profoundly need to be reminded of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. But 2020 has been a wild ride. It has been an unpredictable whirlwind. And hope is a steadying stabilizing gift that God has given us in 2020 through Jesus Christ. Let me just start with this statement. If your hope is found in the things of this world, you will lose hope. If you have found your hope in the things of this world, you're going to lose hope. Even if this was a very normal year, you'd be losing hope if you had put your hope in the things of this world. So if your hope is in in money or the number of friends that you have or the number of followers that you have on social media, if you're hope is found in education or health or your job uh, or relationships, if your hope is found in in, in politicians or in looks or in grades or in stats or in strength or in security or in social standing, you're going to lose a lot of those things. In fact, throughout the course of life, you will lose a lot of those things. If your hope is found in those temporary things, you will lose Hope, And then your hope is gone if that is where your hope is found. But if your hope is found in Jesus' coming, his death, his resurrection, his return, then you can't lose hope. For Jesus is eternal. He is the promise keeper. He is the covenant keeper. He's the son of God. He's the unchanging king. He's the faithful one, the always sufficient Lord. He is the permanent, you just sang about it, way maker. And if your hope is found in him, you will never lose hope. So today we're going to see this morning that hope has a name. It is Jesus, the rescuer of his people. If you've been here the last few weeks, you know what book to turn to. If you haven't been here, you forgot the last three weeks. We're going to the Gospel of Matthew together. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to go back. This is why I love God's word being living and active. We can read the same verse every single Sunday and the Holy Spirit can teach us something brand new. Uh, That doesn't happen with a magazine or with a a static book, but it happens with God's word because it's living and it's active. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 1 and pick up at verse 18. Matthew chapter 1. And go ahead and keep your Bible open. This is where we'll be all morning long. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is interesting. Verse, verse 18, it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place In this way. If you have a pen or have a pencil, you may want to circle that word birth right there. Because normally, 
a Greek word that is used for birth or to be born is not used right here. The the word that's used right here at the word birth, and I just circled it in my Bible. You might want to make a little note somewhere. The word birth right here in Greek is the word genesis. It's only used three times in the entire New Testament. And if you hear that Greek word genesis, you'll probably begin to be reminded of the very first book of the Bible, which is the book Genesis. The word genesis means genesis. Again, only used three times in all the New Testament. And, and the, the meaning of the word genesis is the beginning of the natural. The beginning of the natural. And so the book of Genesis is all about the beginning or the origins of, of natural things, of the natural world, from, from water to trees to fish to humanity to the stars to the planets, all the things that, that are natural, they had their beginning, if you will, in the book of Genesis. And this is the same word used right here. Matthew uses this word. This is the genesis of Jesus. In other words, the genesis, the origin of the natural life of Jesus, not the spiritual life, because Christ has been forever. But his is the beginning of his natural life. And so what Matthew says here in verse 18 is now the, the genesis, now the origin of Jesus' natural life took place. And you can't help, Highland, but in this first chapter of this first book of the New Testament, not allow your mind to go back to the very first book, the very first chapter of the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, and see the similarities, yes, but also the turnarounds of what happened when Christ came. Uh, you note takers are going to love this. In Genesis, the Spirit gives life to mankind. That's what happens in, in the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, the very first two books, of the first two verses of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form. It was void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So in Genesis, the Spirit is going to begin to give life to mankind. From the very beginning of Scripture, we see the Spirit active in creation. It was going to be God's Spirit that would be breathing life into man. But in Matthew, the Spirit gives life to the Messiah. Here in Matthew, it's the Spirit giving life to Jesus. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, if your Bible's still open, do not fear, the angel says to Joseph, to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that was hovering over the waters of the deep in Genesis is now the same Holy Spirit that is bringing life to this Messiah, life to Jesus. The picture of the Spirit doing the same thing here he did in Genesis chapter 1 for mankind, giving and bringing life. In Genesis, God promises a victorious offspring from a woman. In Genesis, God pr promises this prevailing offspring that would come from Eve. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it's on the screen. God says to Satan, I will put enmity, which means hostility, between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head. So God promises to raise up this seed, a singular offspring, who would defeat Satan, who would crush the head of Satan. So that was in Genesis, but look in Matthew. In Matthew, now God delivers that victorious offspring through a woman. This is amazing. The seed of a child born in normal human pregnancy, that seed comes from a man. But here in the holy instance in human history... That seed is delivered by God through a woman in fulfillment of his promise. 
And that child would grow into a man who would hang on a cross and would fully die to forgive us from our sins and then fully would be brought back to life by the power of the Spirit, defeating death, defeating our sin, and defeating this enemy that God has said back in Genesis 3, this enemy would be crushed by this new offspring. Now in in Matthew, God delivers that victorious offspring through a woman. So in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So in Genesis, God promises a victorious offspring from a woman. And now in Matthew, God delivers that victorious offspring through a woman. By the way, the entire Bible can be predicated on those two verbs, promise and deliver. The Old Testament is the promise. The New Testament is that God delivered. And if you want to bring it to the end of 2020, God is still delivering today. We should call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. In Genesis, a man is born who would enslave us to sin. In the very beginning, in Genesis, a man is born who would enslave us to sin. The very first man, Adam, who just after one chapter of enjoying this unhindered communion with God, begins to rebel against the glory of God, and he falls into sin. Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, you see on the screen. So God, to Adam, he said... By the sweat of your face you shall eat food till you return to the ground. From it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The Bible tells us, actually, in Romans chapter 5, that the sin of this one man, of Adam, would condemn us all. We would all be under condemnation because of this one sin that came from Adam, from this one man, all of us in this house, all watching online, we would all inherit this sinful nature. We are all born with this enslavement to sin. We are all men and women who will succumb to sin. But in Matthew, a man is born who would rescue us from sin. You see, now the story is reversed. Jesus does not come with an inherited sinful nature, for there has been, and we saw this a few weeks ago, there's now been a very clear interruption in the lineage from Adam down to Jesus. So a new Adam, Romans chapter 5 would call him, comes on the scene. The man Jesus will not succumb to sin. This God-man would be born to free us from our spiritual enslavement, which is why we see here in this passage, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, the very end of verse 21, again, he will save his people from their sins. So, So do you see it? The God who is creating in Genesis chapter 1 is now recreating in Matthew chapter 1. He is now making a way through Christ for humanity to be rescued from sin and to be reconciled to God. So even just a a quick, quick comparison. We went through that very quickly. A very quick comparison between Genesis and Matthew and, and Eve and Mary and Adam and Jesus. We begin to see that God is redeeming all things. And so it's still Christmas weekend to me. So let me just say this. Christmas says our God is a turnaround God. When, when Christ came, everything began to turn around. God was now redeeming, or if you will, reversing all things. You see, he is the God who can take suffering in our lives and turn it around. We sang about it just then for our good and for his glory. 
He is the God who can take pain. And all of us in this house, all watching online, we've experienced pain. You have walked through pain. You might be walking through pain right now because God is a turnaround God. God can take the pain in our lives, turn it around, and give us a ministry to other people who are going through difficult times. He's the God who can take a difficult year and turn it around and remind us what is truly eternal and what is truly important. He's the God who can take the mess that we have all made of our lives and the rebellion that all of us have been a part of and turn us around into brand new creations, forgiven women, forgiven men, when we put our faith in Jesus. God loves to and can redeem all things. He's a turnaround God. Christmas says it's true. Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, And unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he, as Joseph, thought about these things, considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying to him, Joseph, you're in the lineage of David, son of David. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Let's just let's let's agree to this statement. I think we can together. The incarnation could be the most profound mystery of all time. Yes. The incarnation. That's I know it's a, a big old word we tend to throw around in church. Let me just say, tell you what that means. That means God made flesh, God in human form, God with skin on. So when we talk about the wonder of Christmas or the awe of Christmas or the majesty of Christmas or the marvel of Christmas, this is what we're talking about, what we just read, the virgin birth of Jesus. Had Jesus come with into the world and had neither a biological father nor a biological mother, had no human parents at all, it'd be hard for us really to believe that he identifies with us. If he had just come to the world, just kind of appeared, if you will, magically, then Jesus would be some fantastical creature from another planet for us. Or some odd mythological being with no empathy toward us and no understanding of us. On the other hand, if if Jesus would have come from two biological parents, a biological father, a biological mother, it would be so difficult for us to believe that he's fully God because his origins would have been just like all of us in this house. So God in his perfect wisdom and his creative sovereignty ordained a virgin birth in which Jesus would come born fully man from a woman born fully God from the Holy Spirit and in this way this mystery actually makes absolute spiritual sense because as fully man he understands us as fully God he alone can save us uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse, verse 21. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You will bear a son, and here's going to be his name. It's going to be Yeshua, or Jesus. Because that very name means he will save us. You see, Highland, this is the reason he came. His name describes his purpose. His name describes his mission. But please don't miss this. His name also describes our need. 
His name describes the, the deepest need we would have. That was the need to be rescued, the need to be saved. We needed to be saved. We needed God's salvation. So the very name of Jesus not only shows to us his purpose, but it helps us to see into our hearts. No matter how good you think you might be, no matter how good this preacher might think he might be, all of us needed to be saved. And the very name of Jesus not only gives us his mission, but also gives us a glimpse into our hearts. We were people in need of salvation. And ultimately, Jesus came to to rescue the lost. And that is what we were before Jesus entered in our lives. And listen, let me lovingly say that is who you are if Christ has not entered into your life. Jesus has come to this sin-stained world for sin-stained women and men to take the penalty of sin and to stand in the place of sinners. We were separated from God. We were condemned before God. We were cut off from God. We were deserving of death, eternal death. And then here comes God coming to us through the virgin birth of Jesus. He has come to us. He has come to live among us. He is Emmanuel, the God who is with us. And Jesus lived this life that we could not live. Then he died this death that we should have died. Then he conquered this enemy that we could not conquer in grave and the death. There is no greater story. There's no greater reality in all the world than this. This is the magnitude of what is celebrated in the birth of Jesus. This is the magnitude of the reality of what is celebrated at Christmas. That Christ, the rescuer of his people, has come. This is good news, Highland. This is why hope has a name. It is Jesus. Let me end this morning and this series and this year with this word. The world can't take away what the world can't give. The world cannot take away what it cannot give to us. The world cannot take away deep, rich promises because the world cannot give deep, rich promises. The world can't take away your security. The world can't take away your peace because the world cannot give security. The world cannot give peace. The world can't take away this hope that serves as an anchor for our souls because this world was never designed to give us hope. Not that kind of hope. The world can't take away what the world can't give. And hear this and let this be a good word for your soul today. And you can't lose what only Jesus gives. He gives life. You can't lose it. Love, freedom, joy, salvation. You can't lose it. He gives peace. He gives promises. You can't lose what Jesus gives to you. He gives assurance. You cannot lose what Jesus gives. Jesus, the rescuer of his people, gives hope. The world can't take away what the world can't give. And you can't lose what only Jesus gives. This is the hope of Christmas. This is the truth that hope has a name. It's not a feeling. 
It's not a want. It's not a desire. Hope is a person. He is Jesus, the rescuer of his people. Would you bow your head and bow your heart with me, please, as we pray? Father, we bow before this king. This king who has come, he's the son of man. He gets us. He understands us. He was tempted in every way, yet without sin. But this Christ has also come as king, the son of God. Perfect in all of his ways, perfectly holy, perfectly just, perfectly capable of spilling out his untainted blood the currency that purchased our salvation, the currency that sustains us today, what can wash away our sins is nothing but that blood, the blood of the King, Jesus Christ. He is the one who has come to rescue his people and all here today who have been found in Christ, who believe in Christ, who are established in Jesus, we have that hope. We were once hopeless, we are now hope-filled. Because Jesus, you have come to rescue your people. And for some that might be here today, maybe just were forced to be here on a Christmas weekend that don't have Jesus, they don't have hope. And oh, today that you would turn to Jesus and find life and freedom and joy and peace and satisfaction and purpose and love and mercy and grace. We can't lose the things that Jesus gives us. We praise you, Jesus, that hope you have a name. And we can put our trust and our faith in that name because there is no other name by which we can be saved. It's through Christ that we rejoice. It's through Christ that we sing that you have given us hope. Amen.